Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Week two of OutKick 360, we are back. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton across the OutKick OTT network. Glad you're with us. Monday edition is here. The madness was crazy. We're going to react to it all this first hour. The Tennessee Power Hour coming up at noon central and 1 o'clock eastern. Guys, how about that first round? Incredible weekend. We don't want to do the recency bias thing where we say everything is the greatest or everything is the worst. But that was pretty close to the best weekend of college basketball we've ever seen. Every seed line, except for 16, won a first-round game. 1 through 15, and then even more madness in the second round. It was a lot of fun this weekend. Seeds mean nothing. We talked about this last week. It's very weird to have a bracket with Sweet 16 established on one side and not on the other side on a Monday. Uh, a day full of hopefully some more good games today, and we see what happens to a team like Ohio after a great first-round win over Virginia. Today, we'll see if I could do a little bit better on the betting front where I had an awful start. That all I blame all on Baylor, who won by 24 instead of 25, costing me my parlay that I spelled out on Friday and setting things awry, but uh, some wonderful games to watch, and we've got a lot of observations on um, a bunch of them and some trends. Outkick 360, we were able to meet quite a few of you uh, this past Friday at the Outkick VIP watch party. Huge thanks to all of you who showed up and packed the place at 6th and Peabody. It was a blast. Huge thanks to Lance Lee and Jacob Swanson for making the show happen for us today. David Reed is the chairman of the board. You can react with us on social media. At Outkick360 is where you can react on Twitter. You can find us by searching us out on Facebook. And if you're watching on YouTube, we please ask that you hit that subscribe button. You hit the thumbs up. You give us a rating on the Apple Podcasts as well. Wherever you find us. Thanks for tuning in today. Iowa and Oregon will tip off today in the uh, first, in the second round, excuse me, as we get, sweat, get set for the Sweet 16. Uh, Oregon, the seventh seed, we haven't seen the play yet because of VCU and the no contest in the first round. So That's Oregon sucked. tips off their tournament action against the second-seeded Iowa Hawkeyes. That's coming up at 11-10 Central, 12-10 Eastern. And then... We get to the afternoon slate, which includes Gonzaga and Oklahoma, UCLA and Abilene Christian, Creighton and Ohio, Michigan, LSU, and much more. We'll be previewing those matchups, and I'll give you our perfect parlay for Outkick 360 on this Monday edition. Uh, if not for Winthrop, I would have gone three for three, and I had the parlay locked in on Friday. It went all the way to the final tip-off, and then Winthrop did not live up to expectations. So I nailed the parlay, mine on, on Friday, that I, that I laid out One there. One for three. Nailed it. Um, decided to dive back into it on Saturday and lost every bet. <laughs> um, so that, that, that's really the balancing act of, of doing this thing. So you, you put yourself out there. One day, it's successful. The next day, not so much. So uh, bad day on Saturday. It is fun, though, and, and you were saying, Hutton, it's confusing about what round are we in when there's games yeah. on a Monday. It reminds me of that U.S. Open playoff 18 holes between Tiger Woods and Rocco Mediate, which was on a Monday. Remember how strange that was when they came back and played on a Monday where Tiger was hurting? And that, that's, I kind of feel the same way about you've got college basketball games preempting uh, soap operas today on CBS uh, with 11 a.m. tip-off and then playing throughout the day. One other slight rant I want to go on. Do a better job with the TV schedule on Sunday. And Saturday, I don't understand why they space out the game so much during the day and then clump a bunch of games together at night. I understand. Like, you can, you could stagger it throughout the day. I know they want the CBS audience. Did your, daughter have a, did your daughter have a softball practice yesterday afternoon? 
But the, I'm telling you, Sunday, they so CBS goes away from it, right? Sunday night minutes, CBS, yeah, they go to 60 weird. minutes. Then they go to the Equalizer or whatever's on after that. And they go into their Sunday night programming. So sports on a Sunday afternoon is sacred ground on networks. That's why the CBS golf tournament every week gets good ratings for that reason. They're going to cable anyway at night. So just put one of those games. Are you robbing from something on TNT? Are you uh, robbing uh, you know, a, a Fast and the Furious sequel that's going to air on TNT on a Sunday night, <laughs> the ratings from that, or in the afternoon? Like, Why not put games on cable during the afternoon where you can stagger them, where you're not just bunching a bunch of games together? I don't get it. I, I think they're really working to – maximize later in the day and give you options later in the day get them out of the afternoon because they know on a spring afternoon people are out doing stuff i was at a couple soccer games and a baseball practice and sure enough i was home when more was going on on tv so i actually kind of liked it um what are people doing on monday afternoon well, Monday afternoon, they shouldn't have they a lot of games on. on a Monday afternoon. Yeah, but are they Usually stacked differently than they were stacked My yesterday? My point being, they make decisions not just based on TV ratings, but based on always having a lot of action. When you've got a bunch yeah. of games going Top on, to bottom. you space it out to where one game starts and 15, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, another game starts. And then you have windows where three games are happening at once. That should happen throughout the day on a weekend and not just – Late at night, when you have two or three. But games today it'll be thicker scheduling at night than it is during the day, and that's beneficial to all of us, right? I don't think so. I mean, I, that's my, the way it was yesterday. There was one game, and I'm saying and that's then not Wisconsin beneficial because I'm, I'm at home on Sunday in the afternoon. A lot of people are, and then I, I just don't. Here's my point: if you're going to do it, there's a way to do it where you've got two games happening at once, and there's bleed, there's Stagger. a little bit of bleed over in the both. Yeah. Do that throughout the day. I don't know why there's a 15-minute delay from one tip-off, a game ends, to the next, where nothing's happening at, what, 1.30 on a Sunday afternoon? Yeah. And then there's three things happening at 6.30 on Sunday night or 8.30 on Sunday night. I don't get it. Uh, Tournament takeaways, the madness is back, and it is glorious. Uh, But on top of that, my my number one headline from round one and, and round two is Loyola Chicago caught me off guard again. Really good. You know, Fooled me once, but it happened again. Fooled me twice, shame on me. And here they are with Cameron Crutwig, 19 points. Sister Jean can't stay off the screen, and I, I still am all here for it. Like, it's, uh, it was great. It, they, they provide the perfect college basketball tournament drama uh, because, in, in, a, in a way, Chad, they are a lot like Belmont in that regard for me, where you want to root for the – not, not just the underdog, the ultimate underdog, college size. Uh, you know, you've got them versus Illinois. Um, you know, the, the bigger dog is the number one seed. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, um, let, let's jump on board. How far can they go? They look like a legitimate Final Four contender. How do we think that game weekend. rated in Chicago yesterday, by the way? Well, so here's my, my take on all this, or just the idea I had watching this game. I'm the same way. I mean, I, I had them winning the first-round game and then losing in the second-round Illinois, but shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, they handled Illinois. That, that was no fluke. They dominated that game really start to finish and, and controlled it. Amazing to watch a team like that that plays to their roles so well, like Loyola Chicago. I mean, they're incredible at knowing who they are, how to run their offense, great half-court defensive team. But I'm watching that and I'm thinking, if Gonzaga could become the West Coast power, over the course of 20 years, right? It took a while. But if Gonzaga can take out UCLA and Arizona and become the West Coast power that gets five-star prospects to go to Spokane, Washington to play at a small Jesuit Catholic school, why can't Loyola Chicago be that in the Midwest? It's a a legitimate, fair question. How many times does it need to happen before we say they're going to go to the Final Four again this year, possibly? Or I, I definitely think the Elite Eight at this point. They've already knocked off one of the power powers. They've got 12-seed Oregon State, who's red hot. Uh, they dominated Tennessee and Oklahoma State, so not a pushover. But if they beat Oregon State, they're back in the Elite Eight. They're going to have a great shot at getting to another Final Four. And I started to think about it, and it's not inconceivable to think that Porter Moser, whose name's going to—it's already up for the Indiana job, and, and a lot of Indiana fans wanting them to pay him whatever it takes to bring him over there— but I'm looking at college basketball the way it is now, 
and I'm thinking of that market and how great it is in high school basketball. Not a football school. If you could take a, a Jesuit school in Spokane and turn them into a national power that they are now the odds-on favorite to win a national title, why not a Catholic school in Chicago, maybe the greatest city in America for high school basketball, and turn that, I don't care what conference they're in, turn that into a program that is a marquee Sunday afternoon CBS when Michigan and Ohio State schedule them in the non-conference in November and December. That game is on national TV every time. It's possible. And, and I watch this team play, and I watch the way, their, their, the way their system works, how in tune they are to their roles on that team, and I think we could be watching the next Gonzaga. He could be Mark Few, and it's worth paying him because the advertising for that school, you know uh, applications and enrollees spiked last time they had their run, and it's going to happen again now. This week is a massive advertising week for that school, right? Mm -hmm. TV cameras coming to campus, interviews coming to campus, hype for going into the Sweet 16. I, 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 I think exactly what you're saying is true. Regionally, they don't have as much elbow room, right? There's not as much space around them as there is around the Zags. But otherwise, there's absolutely no reason why not? My favorite moment of what we saw this weekend, it's ridiculous to me to think that I could be so excited by a couple of free throws. But Abilene Christian, as, as Joe Pleasant stepped to the line, a 58.8% free throw shooter. Broadcasters are saying, he's at the line early. It's a stoppage of play. Bad free throw shooter Hutton stepping to the line early. It's like recipe 59%. for recipe for disaster. Don't go to the line early. Be strolling around. You, you stand there and you create all this pressure. Ice in his veins. Hits two free throws. No question. No rim. Yeah. No bouncing around. Nothing. Abilene Christian with the upset. I mean, they were terrific. And... Um, I mean, that's one of those upset upsets. Not a buzzer beater, but with uh, steely play throughout. And they were not in any sense of panic whatsoever. Just smooth, confident. It was it's it, a thrilling uh, Joe, one of those Joe Pleasant wins. and his – it's so funny because, you know, we'll sometimes tease fans that are watching a football team run out and say, boy, our team's ready today. You know, I can tell in their body language. They're ready to go. They're fired up. You could tell Joe Pleasant was going to hit those free throws based on the way he was staring at that rim, and there was no shake to him at all. There was no nervous energy. I mean, you could tell he knew the moment and how big it was, but the way he stood there with his hands on his hips, just staring at that rim, taking a deep breath, and then knocking down those two shots, that you're not going to find a more pressure-packed situation than that. I will say the pressure is usually on the better team, right. the higher seed in that moment. So maybe it's less pressure when you're playing with house money and you're Abilene Christian. Still a ton of pressure for him to step up and knock it down. And now Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart finally gets into a position as a three seed to deliver on the promise of his hiring. And he's on the sidelines, hands in his funky hair. Six years. Uh, Six years, zero NCAA tournament wins. And he was supposed to be the savior to replace Rick Barnes. Be careful what you wish for. With coaches that are successful, Rick Barnes, we'll talk about it more in our Tennessee but Power we Hour. Would have taken Not a success in the NCAA any... tournament, clearly. He's got his problems in, in the NCAA tournament. He's also won three more NCAA tournament games than the guy that was picked to replace him in Shaka Smart. And if I would have told you this six years ago, that Rick Barnes at Tennessee taking over for Donnie Tindall forced out because of NCAA issues, would be more successful and win more NCAA tournament games, a guy with the reputation for being bad in March, than Shaka Smart, a dude who took VCU to the Final Four as an 11 seed, everyone would think that you were yeah, crazy. I'm not saying about Rick Barnes or not about Rick Barnes, but we all would have hired Shaka Smart for a big-time program in a second. It was a great hire he's for Texas. He's the hottest guy out there. Yep. And I, I don't think he's a bad basketball coach. I don't know what's unfolded. Or, or why it's gone so badly at Texas. But a three seed in the tournament, I mean, threes and twos are, are dropping. It's crazy. Well, Seeds don't mean What's happened, anything. though? Two of his three losses. One was on a half-court bank shot at the buzzer, three that beat him. 
and one was with two free throws with 1.2 seconds left that beat him. That, that's what we love about March. It's what we love about this tournament. But if you're Shaka Smart in Texas or a Longhorns fan, that's what you absolutely hate and despise about this tournament. It is still, at least it appears, one team's tournament to win. And uh, we'll discuss the Zags, who play later this afternoon. We'll give you the very latest there, all the matchups throughout the day, and our perfect parlay from FanDuel.com. It's all coming up on OutKick 360. It is OutKick 360 across the OutKick OTT network and Fox Sports Knoxville. Huge thanks to 1340 and 105.7 WKGN for joining us across the OutKick coverage. And you always remember your first. That's right. I know that's true for the three of us. (laughs) So I've got a tournament complaint. And I love the basketball this weekend. But moving a three-pointer back hasn't solved the problem that everything's a three or a bunny. There's no mid-range game that's gone for good. I can live with that because the basketball is still very exciting. But I saw so many missed close shots, some at crucial moments, right? Texas Tech, um, Kyler Edwards had a a clear shot to the basket at the end of the game that would have, I believe, tied it. Missed it horribly, like me driving to the basket, like a a, a layup that he bounced off the no backboard. Shot. He had no shot at it. Didn't Terrible. Give himself, didn't give the ball yeah, a chance. There to was another it. game, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering. A guy had a, a, a great chance and went soft instead of going strong to the rim, kind of did a fall away layup. Missed th- these opportunities. Like, not only is it now a three or a shot near the rim, but the shots near the rim are not as consistently good as they should be. If you're getting the shot near the rim, in lieu of kicking it out for the three, those should be made at a very, very high rate. And I saw some crucial situations where these shots, which should be gimmies, bunnies, are not being made. So now we've lost the mid-range jumper. I'm okay with that. I've given that up. Are we losing the ability to hit the close thing because we're practicing the three so much? Are we not going strong to the rim? What's going on in there? I was disappointed by that. And again, marveling. This is enthralling, sporting stuff. I'm totally in. But we're missing these shots that are inside the semicircle. I, it's funny because I feel like they're better mid-range shooters now across college basketball. I see a lot more guys pump fake, two dribble, pull up, 17 feet, yeah. 16 feet, that can hit that shot. And you're allowed to take but it Every now, time they take it, I think it's a bad shot. Or I like it if I'm the defense. If you're watching a game and you see a guy take a 17-footer, you're immediately thinking, oh, okay, that's, that's a good shot for the defense. You're willing to put return. up with that, right, if, that, if that's the shot. But yet, guys are better about hitting it. But, I mean, you look at just the, the analytics of it, and it makes a lot more sense to take a three or drive it to the basket. Um, even the Abilene Christian game was a bad, ill-fated layup attempt that led to a putback opportunity and a foul yes. where Joe Pleasant hit the two free throws. I'm with you on that, Paul. I thought the overall level of play was good. But when it was bad, it was really bad. I mean, there were some teams that just no-showed. Georgetown, North Carolina, Tennessee, that could not do anything offensively. And when you got into a game like that, Oklahoma State, last night, another really one. Disappointing. You just get into a game like that where you see that your offense is stuck. And you, you, the flip side of it was, while there were some very good games and big upsets, you saw some teams that were better than what they showed in the tournament that were terrible in their one game in the tournament. Georgetown was used up, uh, I felt like, you know, and you knew they were either going to carry it on or be done. It was very evident very quickly they had used it up. Would you guys take Gonzaga or the field right now, based on what we've seen? I'm always going to take the field just on percentages, but the Zags are really good. So last uh, last week at this time, I I was thinking uh, this is a top seed tournament. That, that is not the case right out of the gate it's for this the tournament. It is, tournament. it is the maybe. NCAA tournament for a reason, the March Madness. But the Zags are by far and away the top team in the country. Uh, no, no matter who they're playing, they're posting 80-plus points. And this past week was no different as they took on Norfolk State. Now they've got, uh, later today, Oklahoma uh, in a matchup that uh, I wonder if it'll be a part of, Chad, your perfect parlay. That'll be tipping off here in a couple of hours. 
So Gonzaga was a 33-point favorite over Norfolk State, and I thought that is way too many points for an NCAA tournament game. I don't care who you're playing. Uh, I think they won by 40-something in the game, right? Yeah, they were up by 50 at one point. It was unbelievable to watch them. I turned, The game was so out of control, I didn't watch much of it, even though I, I picked Gonzaga to win it all. But I turned over there for three minutes. I see two fast-break alley-oops that are two of the prettiest <laughs> basketball plays I've ever seen. It is amazing to watch how highly efficient and how well that Gonzaga team plays together offensively. And they make it look so easy. Crisp passes leading to a quick alley-oop on a fast break. The way they work their break, the way they work their half-court offense, they are remarkable to watch. Uh, I said it last week, guys. I am all in on Gonzaga. have no prior affinity for the school, but um, especially once my school, Tennessee, was out of the tournament, I'm all in on the Zags. I hope Mark Few wins that national championship that's eluded the school. The one thing they haven't accomplished. They've played in a national championship game. They've been to Final Fours, but winning that national title, it's time. It's time for Gonzaga. I, I think they're the team to beat, Hutton. But if I had to pick them or the field, I'm still going the field because of the craziness we've already seen in this tournament. So they'll take on Oklahoma, and then as you look through their bracket, uh, they'll get Creighton or Ohio. From there, from there, they'll face Iowa or Kansas if we just go chalk. Iowa's really good. And they struggled against Grand Canyon. Yeah. Out of the gate. Iowa did. Everybody's going to struggle with everybody. I mean, I, I think we can't judge uh, degree of difficulty. You know what I mean? If you get through, based on what we've seen, if you get through, it was like Houston survive last in advance. Night. Yeah. I mean, Rutgers really mismanaged the clock like a bad football team. They were playing – uh, milk the clock with a two-point lead like they were up seven with two minutes left. It's no way to play. You know, it's a one-possession game. You've got to get in your offense and continue to score. Um, I, I thought Rutgers did as bad a job in terms of handling game situation as anybody I saw. Now, there were stretches of games that I missed, obviously, and I'm a Rutgers fan. I went to Rutgers Prep. See my Rutgers Prep thing up there. Uh, it would have been great uh, for, for Jersey to see them win that game. And Houston, to me, was disappointing. I thought Houston was a team that would blow a team like Rutgers out of the water. But Rutgers did not manage that game well at the end so at all. My, my thing with Gonzaga is, and why I asked the question, it's a lot like the Chiefs from their Super Bowl run, where I think to myself, okay, they're going to come head-to-head with a defense that's going to be able to curtail what they're doing offensively. And now my perception is on Gonzaga, if you're facing them, can you put up 100 points? Because that's what it's going to take to beat them. Because they're yeah. going to score 90 on you. That's another one of those examples, too. I think if you're beating them, they're going to have to be a big part of it, right? What are the odds, Hutton, that somebody plays very well against them and they have an off night? They shoot it hasn't poorly. hasn't happened yet. BYU is, was a higher seed than what many thought they deserved because they played so well against Gonzaga. Which uh, I think you... Yeah, I still would have scored BYU up for that. Playing well against Gonzaga is a, an accomplishment. I don't, so I, I don't see that defensive-minded team, Hutton, that gives them problems like that. You're right. If they get into a game where they've got to gut one out, where some team's locking them up, which is going to be very hard see, to I do. See, I thought it was Virginia, but Virginia's no longer in their uh, Virginia. bracket. Tony Bennett, four straight years, has a very high seed in the tournament. <laughs> Goes out in the first round three times, once, once as a 16. number one seed, and <laughs> then wins a national title the, the fourth year. I mean, it, yeah. talking about feast or famine. Yeah. Won a national title and went out in very depressing fashion uh, the other three they years. They missed crazy. their chance. Which everyone to, would agree, Tony Bennett's one of the best coaches yeah. in college basketball. They missed their chance to defend the title with the COVID cancellation. So here's my matchup of fear for Gonzaga, and I've got this matchup in the Final Four. If they get a team like Florida State, that could cause them problems because Florida State, athletically, and the way Leonard Hamilton's teams play defense, that's one that could lock a Gonzaga up and get you into a middling, gutted-out defensive game where it's not high scoring. To me, that's the type of team that could be problematic for Gonzaga. Um, but, I mean, I, I, what I've seen so far, I, I love the Zags. Granted, it's one game. Yeah. You know, but, but Against I, Norfolk State. I'm also judging – you know, half this field off of one game as games tip off today. Yeah, sure. Now, here's what I did with Gonzaga, admitted, admitting stupidity, right? Because a lot of these teams that were big favorites, like um, Baylor, and mm-hmm. I got burned on Baylor. But they were winning big, but they weren't winning as big as you expected. 
So I watched Norfolk State for a while, and they were kind of hanging, and it looked like, you know, they'll lose by 20, 25, but they're not losing by 30. So I waited. How about the jab, by I, the way? Sorry. The, the Norfolk State reminded me of the jab to the gut. Oh, the, the oh yeah. Which is great if they didn't really have <laughs> I, I mean, it. that's playground basketball. So I said, Smart. I Smart said play. to myself, they're not going to lose by 33. And so I waited for a live spread for, for things to get to, I think I got 32 and a half. And I'm like, they're not losing by 32 and a half. Bet them. You know, then I wasn't even watching that game, and I'm watching the score just go and go and go. And I'm like, there's another genius bet by course. So a few stats that just blew my mind over the weekend with some teams in Power 5 conferences. Your Rutgers Scarlet Knights, Paul. Not been to the Sweet 16 since 1979 and blew that chance to go to the Sweet 16. 1979. I lived in New Jersey for three years at that point. Two other ones. Oregon State, who's now in the Sweet 16, that win over Tennessee – their first tournament win in 40 years. Power 5 program. That is difficult for a Power 5 program to not win a tournament game and f- not to have one year where you've got a senior-heavy team where you win a first-round game. And we'll talk about for 40 what a years proud moment that was for a UT alum next hour. Yeah, right. And then, um, but still, 40 years. Oregon State should be embarrassed. Now they should yeah. be happy now during the Sweet 16. The third one, Arkansas, 25 years since they've been in the Sweet 16. Really? With all of that basketball history, 1996. That makes me feel old. Nolan Richardson was the head coach the last time Arkansas got to a uh, Sweet 16. I'm not surprised by that. I'm surprised that Nolan Richardson was 25 years ago already. Which also <clears throat> provoked um, Eric Musselman, friend of OutKick, uh, Todd Furman, just got put oh. on blast <laughs> by Eric Musselman after the game for saying they were at a coaching disadvantage. Against Chris Beard. Against Chris Beard, right. And... While I will say it was funny uh, to hear him go after Todd Furman that way after the game, I, I would also say I don't know that it was a masterpiece of coaching, coaching. down the stretch from Eric Musselman as they almost blew a, a double-digit lead. I don't think they really did anything to prevent Texas Tech. Texas Tech got in their own way late. Mac McClung, 88% free throw shooter, misses the front end of a one and one down one with a minute 12 left, and then you had the missed layup that Paul mentioned earlier. That did the men. So, Hut, you, you've liked Arkansas through these two games. I like their athleticism. Here we get to the point where we usually talk about, hey, we've enjoyed the hell out of Oral Roberts beating Ohio State, beating Florida. Now they're in the Sweet 16. This is often where that kind of team, you know, they have this glorious week now with all of the attention for getting there, and they get to face a big SEC team, a 15 versus a three. Usually this is where it ends. Not always. But usually, what do you you you, you still on the Arkansas train? At well, I was this on the Oral Roberts train in, in round one too. Yeah, you were. And, and the reason for that is they 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 make thirteen threes a game on average. Yeah. I mean, they're going to shoot the three well. They shoot free throws also. Um, and, and you can hang with an athletic team like Arkansas, who's going to run up and down the floor uh, at at a high rate, you know, high possession rate. If you're going to make that type of three point range percentage, so they're in it. I think they could advance Oral Roberts against Arkansas. I mean, that's a super compelling game after what you've seen, right? The anticipation. Now yeah. you hope, uh, you, know, you know, Oral Roberts doesn't have to win it, but you want them to play well enough that they don't need a validation sticker, right? They deserve to be there by every means. But you want that to be well, a three-point game. This is where those games get boring. Unfortunately, when you have boring. the team that advances the Sweet 16, this is where – Arkansas comes out and wins a ho-hum 15, 17-point game uh, against Oral Roberts. But I don't you feel things case. are shifting? Things are shifting. Which I mean, these, every time we say that, these through. teams get to the Sweet 16 and they, they suck I once they get to the next round. What next was weekend. Butler the first time it went to the Final Four? It's funny you bring up Butler 12? because I talked about Gonzaga. Butler was the Gonzaga of the Midwest for a while, right? Yeah. With Brad Stevens, they've fallen off a bit they now. They could keep their coach. But they were, they were that school. What were they the first time they went to the Final Four? Had to be they were 11, 11 or 12. Yeah, probably. But, I mean, it's Oral Roberts, uh, for example, all right? You know, 15 seed. Also, think about this. Arkansas Oral Roberts played December 20th of this year, and Arkansas won by 11. Did anyone think at that moment this was a Sweet 16 preview? Of course so, not. Definitely. Between these two teams when they played each other. So they've already played once this draw year. to put them together. Um, crazy. I think Oral Roberts is a great story. I think Arkansas blows them out. 
I, I think so. that's typically what happens. Now, the difference is Loyola was way underseeded as an eight. They are not an eight seed. They are one of the six, at 12 least. or 15 best teams in the country. They didn't have the schedule where they got to play all these power five teams, but I'm watching them. I'm thinking this is a legit national championship final four contender that got underseeded. I think the same thing about LSU right now as an eight seed. That is a final four contender talent-wise that got underseeded as an eight because they did not have a good non-conference. And that'll be a good game today against SEC. Michigan. I, I should also bring up, we, we were talking Gonzaga, and as I look through Arkansas's path to the final four or Oral Roberts, it's going through Baylor. And as you consider what Baylor has done early in this tournament, they've been just as dominant. Before we even see Gonzaga play later today, uh, Baylor got after Hartford, as you might expect, but then Wisconsin. One yeah. You know, that really wasn't much of a game to watch yesterday. No. As Baylor took on 13 the Big points. Ten. Especially after Wisconsin had a game not to watch in the first round as they blew out North Carolina in that game. It's um, Villanova next. You know, Villanova's, uh, they play at a nice pace. They're, they're a fun team to watch. But, um, you know, I would take Baylor in that, too. They're, they're very good. Is Houston there, is not nearly as good as I expected based on what I saw against Rutgers. Something we'll talk a lot more about as this tournament rolls on with Baylor. Is there a better program recovery coaching job than Scott Drew at Baylor? Really good. Who's been there since 2003. It's crazy to think about, but this was a program where their head coach covered up murder on their team. Not only NCAA payment issues, but they had a coach cover up one player murdering another player. And Scott Drew is coming there, and they are the, next year's the greatest recruiting class in program history coming in. This is a team that's going to compete for four- and five-star players in a program as long as Scott Drew is there. It is remarkable. A program with not much basketball history coming off of that scandal. Granted, it was 18 years ago, but still, you look at what Scott Drew has done at Baylor. We'll have our buddy John McClain, noted Baylor alum on at some point to talk about it. I'm hard-pressed to think of a better rebuilding job and then building up a program to elite status. There's a few of them in this tournament. Porter Moser at Loyola, Mark Few at Gonzaga. Dan Monson, though, got it started for Mark Few at Gonzaga. It wasn't just him. They were in the Sweet 16 before he was there. And then now with Scott Drew at Baylor. Just incredible job. You guys have a parlay going today at FanDuel? Not yet. I do. My parlay today, UCLA, I'm taking uh, UCLA minus four and a half. They tip off against Abilene Christian. The, the Bruins have looked great since, uh, what, like the nine-minute mark of the play-in game against Michigan State. Yes. I'm riding with that, even though Abilene Christian forced 23 Texas turnovers over the weekend. Uh, I'm taking UCLA, giving the points. I'm taking Ohio with Preston, Jason Preston. He had 11 points, 13 rebounds, eight or nine assists. I mean, when you, when you consider the, the, the triple-double aspect of what he brings to the court and what he did against Virginia. Yeah, Creighton just squeaked by UCS. Right, I, and I, I wasn't buying Creighton going into the tournament. I'm taking Ohio and a five-and-a-half. And LSU gets five points. We knew this was going to be a tough game for any one seed, for LSU as the eight seed in a bracket, but... Michigan here, I, I like LSU to win outright. They, they are rejuvenated, winning five of six, nearly advanced uh, past the, the nearly SEC champions when you consider what they did here in Nashville. Um, they have to hit the glass. Michigan, big. You know, they've got a very tall lineup that is great at rebounding. If LSU can at least match Michigan on the boards, the Tigers win this game outright. I went to my trusty FanDuel app to pull up uh, my parlay that I placed this morning. Like you, Hutton, I've got UCLA minus four and a half. I think the uh, Abilene Christian story is a great one. I think it ends in the second round. I've got uh, a game that's actually going on right now. I've got Iowa um, minus five against Oregon. That game is tied at 36 right now in the first half. High scoring already between those two. And then I've got Florida State minus one and a half against Colorado. Colorado you could argue maybe the best performance in the first round of anyone. I mean, they look great against Georgetown in that they game. Did. And Colorado, a very, I think, underrated team, even though they're a five seed in this tournament. I've got Florida State going to the Final Four. I love Leonard Hamilton's team. They're minus one and a half. I've got the Seminoles in that one. For That's a good game tonight that tips off at 745 Eastern. 
uh, 6.45 uh, local time. Uh, final game of the night for those wondering what you'll be falling asleep to potentially. Uh, Kansas and USC, three and a six. The game tips off at 9.40 Eastern, and that is a CBS network game. I may, uh, not having pledged my uh, affinity for any of these games on our fine broadcast, uh, be wise to step back, step back today. Today's the day where you get the momentum back, Paul. That's right. Today's the day where you get the momentum back. Chase, my college buddies would be like, just chase. Change your circumstances, Paul. Change Change your circumstances. Double your bet and chase. That's right. Other headlines when we return to Sean Watson news with uh, the attorney, Tony Busby, taking the complaints to the Houston District Attorney and those accusations. So it goes from civil to what could be a criminal case, potentially, if the district attorney wants to take that to the grand jury, that will be coming up. Also, we'll, we'll get into that. The, the Patriots appear to be high on one particular quarterback in the NFL draft. And Urban Meyer, not a fan of NFL free agency. Wah. All that and more coming up next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 on the Outkick OTT Network. Follow us on Twitter at Outkick 360 and like us, share us on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, on YouTube. Please subscribe to the Outkick channel. Just search out Outkick and then uh, like the Outkick 360 broadcast. Did you guys hear that? Many are doing right now. No, what do you say? There's a huge thud from back there. I'm sure you heard. It sounded like uh, David Reed personal earthquake. I think people who were sticking through the break just saw Paul Kuharski explain how he met one David Reed. And then right as that promo was concluding, we hear a noise in the back, and we believe David Reed, David Reed dropped something. Reed, so you didn't like okay. that commercial? He couldn't, he couldn't imagine the compliments, I don't think. That was the problem with it. <laughs> Drop my donuts, guys. Oh. <laughs> Those are some heavy donuts. donuts. The are they dog donuts? <laughs> drop, drop some donuts. Nothing to see here. Reed's got plenty more where those came from. <laughs> if I any saw, hit the ground, he's got a lot more left. I saw on social media where uh, many, a handful of people that were commenting with Reed and then sending out uh, their you know, convenience store dog treats and asking Reed rated? review of them. Like, hey, well, my dog liked this. Hey, you guys know how well I've been eating and how I uh, uh, traditionally have had these late night incidents in my house. You know? <laughs> yeah. Somebody will say, uh, somebody had a cookie incident last night. I had an incident on uh, uh, Friday, overnight, Saturday. started as a pistachio right after incident. Right home? Which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not right after, but uh, yeah, I came home. I kind of fell asleep for a while. So yeah, tired. Yeah, yeah. Then later, yeah. And then when so I'm tired. awake in the middle of the night, I have nothing to do. <laughs> so tired from the watch party. Do. Yeah, very tired. Very tired. Uh, um, and Slightly so groggy. I ate a lot of pistachio nuts. And after I had the pistachio nuts, which I thought, hey, these will make me work a little bit. You know, it'll slow me down. Then I was like, well, there's some tagalongs in that closet. I'll have just a couple tagalongs. And then after I ate about 10, 10 tagalongs, I was like, well, that's the first cookie incident in two months. Speaking of, there will be more. There will be more incidents with Paul. Uh, speaking of the Outkick VIP watch party, you can go to outkick.com slash VIP 360. Uh, that is where you can sign up to become an Outkick VIP. 30% off. VIP access right now with the code OK360. You have exclusive access with us, with Clay Travis. You have access to events like we hosted this past week at 6th and Peabody. We're going to have VIP forums, which you can be a part of 24-7. We're a part of those as well. Also gear. You can uh, check out the Outkick gear. It's all available, outkick.com slash VIP360. One of the headlines from the tournament uh, this past can, week. Can I get into one thing sure. quickly, though? Please. Because what we do on this show is we take things on air. We take things onto the program, whether it happened during the break, like David Reed dropping donuts. If our guys Lance or Jacob do or say something funny during the breaks, they, which they do often, we'll take it on the show. So I do have to ask Paul, Paul, what is going on on our YouTube feed right now? By the way, like us on YouTube if you're watching. That helps. But there is a chat on the YouTube feed. Yeah. I've never been involved in a YouTube chat in my life, but we're getting reports on Twitter, which by the way, that's a great place to interact with us on Twitter at Outkick360. Let us know what you want to hear from us there. But Paul, you've been well, monitoring the, the YouTube feed. There seem to be some complaints that I'm not uh, that you're not Clay? R- ranting enough. <laughs> 
Is say, that well, I, 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 I said that the shooting near the rim in the basketball, I, I was upset <laughs> by that. But if you want me to rant constantly, that's not what I'm going to do. I'll rant when I have something to This is to like the reverse talk sports rant. guy, right? We get yeah. talk sports a lot on previous shows. Is this like the talk politics guy? Yeah. I is someone be, screaming at you to talk cancel culture? What's going on? I won't be ranting perpetually. I'll be ranting when there's something worth ranting about. If I rant about everything, then that takes the power out of the rant. This is like somebody I'm thinking very clearly of who I know likes everything. And by liking everything, he really likes nothing. Uh, see, that takes the power out of it. So when I rant, it will have meaning because I'll be ranting about something uh, that upsets me. But if nothing right this moment upsets me, I'm not going to make up a rant. That's not what I will be doing here. Also, somebody said, what's more useless, Isaiah Wilson or me with a comb? This man has eyes and has discovered that I'm bald and has come with sophisticated, fantastic humor. The Paul's never heard that YouTube one before. Chat. The answer is Isaiah Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Paul could find body hair to comb. (laughs) Isaiah Wilson has no use right now. If I'm monitoring the YouTube chat and we're going to engage in comedy, we're going to be following my first rule of comedy. Here comes a rant because it's necessary. My first rule of comedy is, Jakob's going to love this, be funny. (laughs) The first rule of comedy. So in the YouTube chat and all your interactions with us, I ask for everyone to follow the first rule of comedy. Be funny. Thank you. Boys. That was great. No, I wanted. I, I really put that up for you. Just float it in the <laughs> How air. Did I do? You crushed it out of the park. Well Thank you. I want to apologize for the shirt, which I didn't feel is a small pattern. If you look closely at it, it's really stripes. But on the broadcast, it comes across as a small pattern, and I shouldn't wear small pattern shirts. I think so it's this easy won't make to another say, appearance. Let's go ahead and get this out, too. We're day six of the show. And Paul is far more interested in how he looks than either Hutton or myself on, on camera. Well, I've got, like you came Hutton's in, first off, you look great. You, lo- you lost weight coming in. We did not, but you lost weight coming in. I did not. Uh, I did not. I went, I went, yeah. Kept, I kept TV, eating. regular TV experience. Oh, I'll be He's eating. I'll be eating. Don't you worry. He's concerned with how he looks. He just doesn't vocalize. But, yeah, but you're, you're planning you out your very, wardrobe. You seem very concerned about how you look. I, 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 we're now a, a broadcast show. We should be concerned with how we look. What, do you, what will you be wearing tomorrow, Paul? Uh, I'll probably wear purple now that you got the purple out of the way. Here's if what I, I went short sleeves today, I would have worn purple. Paul, here's what I've discovered about people in my 39 years on earth. If they don't like you or they want to find a way to be miserable, they're going to find something oh, to comment about your appearance. I don't care what they think about the shirt. I worry about what I look like in the shirt. I, I know, I but you still will allow it. someone to comment, and then it's going to get in your head about the pattern being too big. Nobody or said something anything like about that. But like the guy, that, the guy is violating the first rule of comedy, talking about you not needing a, a brush. That guy's going to find oh. something wrong with one of us because he doesn't like us. Oh, and he's also, talk about it. I like to Can't imagine about it. this man is like the clean bill of health typing on his computer right oh, now. So this is the perfect segue into an actual sports story, right? The guy who finds the reason to be pissed off at the world no matter what's going on. And if he doesn't like you, he just wants to share that he doesn't like you. Similar to the person who will send threats to the college basketball player when he misses free throws that cost your team the game. E.J. Liddell is the story with Ohio State. They're, oh. I, they're now investigating it, which, by the way, I love this. If someone sends you threats that you don't know, or even if you do know them on social media, they should be investigated. There should be something done about it. At the very least, everyone should know who this person is. Use the N-word several times. They say, I was going to search you out and hurt you, kill you. It there was, was, it was, there was a lot. He tried was everything. It was vile what he said. And this guy tweeted this stuff out. And I love when people share screenshots of this was a text or a DM. It was a DM, I think. Right, it was a DM. Yeah, with the guy miss a foul shot? I think and he the shared, guy just retweeted yes. it. He, he said, what did I do to deserve this? I'm human. He shared two different rants. Both were uh, Instagram DMs is what it looked like to me. Get some perspective in your life if you're treating somebody like this. It means more to that guy who missed the shot than it means to you. That's what you got to keep in perspective. That guy's tortured by what happened to him in the game. More than you are. Trust us. If you don't get that, trust people who are around athletes more often than you are. It tortures them more than it tortures you. But they also have a capacity for getting over it because they understand in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a foul shot. It's just a jumper. 
It's just a basketball game. It's a, it's a small piece of life. And if it means that much to you, you've got to get yourself some perspective. I'm fine with sports meaning a lot to fans and for them to be very happy or very upset. But like you said, Paul, the perspective part of it, but also just whatever you're thinking in the moment and how angry you are, don't send it to the person you're angry at in that moment. Yeah, like I think just text chain, just in general, like if you want to go on a rant, you know, Danny White, Tennessee's new athletic director said, well, maybe text a buddy. Instead of immediately going to social media and calling for the firing of a coach and uh, the decertification of scholarships for every player after a loss, maybe just text a buddy and then get it out that way. Your, your Vols text chain Vent. or your Ohio State text chain or your Gonzaga text chain. Well, Go to them and complain before picking up your phone and finding that player on Instagram and deciding to go at them directly on message. It's a, it is exa- another example of people saying things on social media they would never say to this guy's the face. The dehumanization of, of They humans. would never say, it, it, this happens in, in all walks of life, but specifically in sports, uh, after a big game, after a, a heartbreaking loss, whatever it might be, uh, you know, this was just a direct message to my knowledge. This one is, it wasn't even a, a, a live tweet right. to the public, to the masses, but there are no ramifications for that either. And I, I know this is something that Clay will harp on later today for I'll Kick the Show, but you know, he, he said it over the weekend, you should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law based on threats made on social media. And th- that's the case here, especially with some of the threats that Liddell is receiving. And why would you think that would this. be private? If, if you're DMing me nastily like that, why would you think I would keep that private? Oh, I'm going to keep that between you and I? Well, he's pro- th- this same fan, okay. these fans, plural, because it wasn't just one. Uh, he just happened to screenshot one. Yeah. Uh, have probably done this thousands of times yeah. combined, and now you finally have an athlete that's willing to put it out socially. But do you, I mean, I, it's the psychology of it. You know, certain things you can explain with. Okay, I get why that person did that because of the psychology behind it or the reason they acted in a certain way. I don't know how that makes you feel better and then makes you stay feeling better. Don't you feel really bad after doing that? I think they're just not thinking about. Feeling. But I mean, it, it's I can understand like the, feel better right, after it's cathartic that I let this guy yeah. know how pissed off I am that Ohio State's not out of the tournament. I really told him. In the moment, but then don't you come back and even 30 seconds later think, boy, I really hope he doesn't read no, that. No, but you guys I hope he doesn't works. see what I just sent to him because it felt good for me to hit send, yeah. but it's not going to feel good for me knowing this kid or this player is going to read what I sent and then feel really bad. You guys know how this works because we de- we've dealt with it all on a much lesser level than this, but as soon as somebody comes at you, when you come back, like and this guy like, telling oh, you get a oh, there's a human being on the other side of this, then all of a sudden the tone softens. When, there, when there's an actual exchange, and it's not just a, a picture of somebody, but it's a three-dimensional person on the other side of it, what happens? Nine out of ten times, all of a sudden the tone softens and everything changes, right? couple of other headlines out there. Uh, Deshaun Watson accusations are going to be considered by Houston District Attorney today. Tony Busby, the attorney, uh, says he plans to submit affidavits and evidence from several women alleging inappropriate conduct and sexual assault against Deshaun Watson. He's going to present that to the district attorney. If the district attorney in Houston chooses to move forward, that evidence would would then be presented in front of a grand jury which could then take this to a criminal court. I so want to be in a grand jury. There, there we see uh, what, what happens there. Uh, uh, Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, said that Watson is going to publicly address, the, publicly address the allegations of sexual assault in the coming days. This was like 48 hours ago. That would be interesting. So we'll, we'll see how they go about doing that. The Patriots are apparently high on Justin Fields. It is rumor mill season for the NFL draft. It's going to take some maneuvering for the Patriots to move up high enough to get the Ohio State quarterback, but that tells you their line of thinking uh, after re-signing Cam Newton. The expectation is they are going to draft a quarterback. Many have them tied to Mac Jones. Uh, reports are range. from Jeremy. Uh, 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 it was, uh, Jer- uh, I think it was Jeremiah, um, Daniel Jeremiah, who said that it would be Ohio State quarterbacks, uh, Justin Fields, that they're high on, not. Where Mac are Jones. they drafting? Uh, well, they 
12th, I believe. Yeah. 12th or 13th. Yeah. Um, it costs, right. It's cost to get up four spots, which five spots, eight spots. Urban Meyer, not a fan of the free agency process. Um, I have to say, I don't disagree with his line of thinking here. It's no. just not going to change. Yeah. What he says makes perfect sense. It's ridiculous to be making these huge investments where you can't even get together with a guy for dinner to get yeah, to know him. You, you, you sign these guys without meeting them. He says it calls for bad business. And if you look at what Jacksonville's done, I think they've made 11 ac acquisitions. Seven of the 11 have ties to their coaching staff. Which is the case a lot of places, right? Um, you know, um, but the thing is, I, I just, I don't know. I don't really want to hear from Urban Meyer on things like this yet, where he just signed up to come into the league and do these sorts of things. And now he's going to stand on his podium and tell us about what's wrong with it. Well, if you don't want to do these sorts of things, then stay in college where you control it. Well, I mean, the next thing he's going to say is, you know, when you're not allowed to meet with a player before bringing them into your organization, you end up with an Aaron Hernandez-like situation. Oh, wait. Oh, he did have a chance to meet with Aaron Hernandez, and he coached him for years exactly. and had apparently no inkling that the guy was a serial killer. So I don't want to hear about Urban Meyer on matters of character judgment when it comes to players that play for him. Any other coach, I, I agree with what he's saying. Ideally, you'd be able to meet with the, the, the free agent and talk to them and vet them out. But from the guy who harbored Aaron Hernandez in school and allowed him to play after shooting incidents at Florida also, I do not want to be hearing this. Well, well said. Uh, he could he be talking out of both sides of his mouth and be accurate. I yeah. mean, whenever he's saying he's organizational decisions are being made, and you're paying guys millions of dollars, uh, but yet you really don't even have a chance to meet them. They're not even coming to your city. I mean, very rarely do we see it. Kenny Galladay just did it for the Giants, yeah. um, and he signed a four-year agreement where he went into town. Adoree Jackson's doing it today with the Giants and, and reportedly the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Kirk Cousins did it whenever he signed with Minnesota. But very rarely do guys have to do anything Shot other in. than pick up the phone and talk to their agent on day one or day two of the big money free agency period. It's very, uh, it's very true. It, and that changed, you know, in a matter of a couple of years. It used to be guys were visiting right at the beginning, and now that's gone by the wayside. Uh, part of what I'd like to talk about in the Tennessee Hour is just how dramatically different free agent guys are seen, you know. I think a lot of Tennessee fans were relieved to see a Dory Jackson go. So you can't pay that guy over $10 million a year for what he did last year and for the questions of heart upon his return from the injury. And in New York, I saw the Giants ESPN beat writer say, if they added Dory Jackson to this free agent class, they've really killed it. Uh, as one man's trash is another man's treasure for sure. I think uh, some people getting really excited, probably overexcited about Josh Reynolds. Why do some Titans fans really love some of these free agent acquisitions, over love them, and really not like some that probably aren't as bad as they think? I want to talk a little bit about those valuations. Hour one in the books. Coming up, the Tennessee Power Hour. We will discuss NFL free agency and the Tennessee Titans, but also the Tennessee Volunteers. You guys know that I judge teams based off a saying. It's not if you lose, it's how you lose. So what does that say about this Vols basketball team? That's next on Outkick 360.